Nice to be here. Young people, I hope you haven't got the short end of the straw. There was a plaintive look on Dave's face as he said, who's taking the young people out? You have the great opportunity of hearing Nick Friggis. I hope you do. I hope you do. I hope you're blessed, young people, by what I have to say today. So, I'm the pastor of Hope Church in north of town. Uh, meet in Shrewsbury Academy School. I've been there for about 13, 14 years. Tracy and I have been in Shrewsbury for 10 years, having moved up from Brighton. So, we're, we're pretty local now. We're kind of established and, uh, and Salopian in so many ways, etc., uh, so it's really good to be here. I've preached here once before, I don't know how many, about eight years ago, something like seven years ago. So it's really good to see you and to be welcomed back. And uh, I send greetings from our, your brothers and sisters in Hope Church. Uh, we uh, love being part of what God is doing through our group of churches in Shropshire under the banner Christ Central Shropshire. That's us, that's you, two churches in Telford and one in, uh, in, in Whitchurch. And in fairly close partnership also with a church called uh, Bridge North Baptist Church as well. And we're doing things together. So we're partnering in a very practical way as well as kind of in desire and brotherly love. We're actually partnering together. So we're doing various things together. We are a distribution point uh, in North Shrewsbury for your food bank, which we're really pleased about. And we've been doing that for numbers of years now. We've also uh, been involved together in a new initiative called Family Focus, which Tracy, my wife, is coordinating, partnering with Karen Williams and a lady from uh, Bridge North Baptist Church to reach out to families. That's a new partnership that's uh, emerged. So we're really pleased and glad to be doing that. And I'm sure there'll be many more kingdom initiatives that we do together as churches as we reach out in, in Shropshire. But I want to start with a, a little bit of a testimony um, quite quickly, but I, think I feel God prompting me to share this. So um, uh, a young woman in our church became a Christian uh, and as an early teenager and she's grown up in the church wonderfully and uh, her mum started coming to church uh, but sadly she was diagnosed with terminal cancer in January uh, which was really sad uh, and shocking and then uh, we've been having Alpha recently and she's been coming to Alpha and she gave her life to the Lord and yesterday she passed away. She passed away yesterday, but she was holding on to a wooden cross as she died. She was holding on to Christ. And I just want to share that with you because there might be someone here, you just don't know what's going to happen to you. You just don't know. You haven't got an assurance that when you walk through that journey, as we all will, you just don't know whether or not you're going to be received by God, whether you're accepted, whether you're, you're welcomed into his presence. And I want to share that with you in order for you to know today that you can receive Jesus, you can believe in Christ. You can hold on to the cross. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's the promise that we have in Psalm 23. So I don't know what your situation is here today, but I want to share that with you because I want you to be knowing in your heart that you can know Christ as your Saviour, as your Lord, and have an assurance of eternal life. Life forevermore. Death has no hold on us now. We don't know when we're going to go, but we're all going to go. But we, get, we, we who are in Christ have eternal life. We have eternal life. No more fear of death. We're going to live with him forever. Do you know that? If you don't, I want you to come forward at the end. Give your life to Christ. Make a response. So that you know it's a relationship which you can be absolutely sure about. I felt like I should share that. So 
at the end we'll have some sort of response and that will be one of the responses. You come forward to be absolutely certain that you are giving your life to the Lord Jesus, fully trusting in him. My topic today is kingdom entrepreneur. Kingdom entrepreneur. And my hope and my prayer isn't that this is some sort of motivational speech where I'm stirring a few raw desire to do something. That isn't really the purpose. The purpose of my prayer is that the Holy Spirit imparts in all of us a desire to act in faith for him, to step out in his purposes for our lives. So that's what I'm going to pray right now. So will you join me in praying? Let's pray for that. Dear Holy Spirit, I I really want to ask you to impart an entrepreneurial spirit in our hearts, to say we will and we can, not we won't and I can't. To say, Lord, your will be done in our lives and through us for kingdom purposes. Whatever you want, Lord, we want to say yes to you and amen. So I pray, Holy Spirit, stir in us today this desire to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is a kingdom, kingdom entrepreneur? A kingdom entrepreneur, or certainly an entrepreneur, is a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. Usually with considerable initiative and risk. My talk today will, first of all, be very inclusive, and then towards the end it will become a bit more exclusive, very specific, and then the response that I'm going to invite you to make will be, again, very inclusive. The point is, an entrepreneur, his, his or her desire is to be initiating, starting something, pioneer, pioneering something, and with risk attached. And we as Christians are very used to risk because it's called faith. It's stepping out into something that we're not entirely sure we know what's going to happen or how it's going to happen. It's a stepping out in faith. And that's all of our business. That's the business of the church. That's the business of Christians to be initiators of his kingdom and acts of love, purposes that he wants us to fulfill with faith. With faith. Uh, I want to recommend a book to you uh, of someone who uh, his uh, biography uh, sort of illustrates that type of life. And it's maybe a book that you haven't read or heard of before, but it's, uh, it's the biography of a man called F.B. Mayer. And F.B. Mayer was a, a, a Baptist pastor uh, in the 19, on, the, on the crossover between the 19th and 20th century. And I want to read the back to you from this book. So I recommend this by a guy called Bob Holman, F.B. Mayer. F.B. Mayer was the minister of one of Britain's first megachurches. Coming from a conventional, middle-class Victorian background, he experienced no dramatic conversion. He was not a distinguished scholar, not a dramatic orator. His slight figure and retiring manner meant that he did not stand out in a crowd. Yet he drew thousands, of, in crowds of thousands, wrote books which sold millions and attracted working class people. The range of Mayer's activities are astonishing. Te- preacher, pastor, writer, social activist, Baptist president, advocate for missionary work and more. In his last years, he declared, if I had a hundred lives, they should be at Christ's disposal. So if you want to know what a kingdom entrepreneur looks like, 
you can, you can start with this book, F.B. Mayer, If I Had a Hundred Lives, by Bob Holman. I can really recommend it. In terms of my own journey, numbers of years ago, about 15 years ago, I expressed some of my dreams to a group of uh, younger men in the car on the way back from a prayer meeting. And I regretted doing it because I, as I was expressing what my desires were, which were to run a business, to run a, lead a church, to write a book, people started laughing because I was in my early 30s then and they said, Nick, you better get on with it. And when one wise elder said, don't laugh at him, don't laugh at him. These are things God has put in his heart. I was just sharing them. And today, some of those things have happened and are happening and will continue to happen. You see, when God puts something in our hearts, we shouldn't minimize it and we shouldn't share it too quickly with anyone because it's precious. And when someone comes in on you and says, you'll never do this, you'll never be this, this will never happen, ha, 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 what it does, it shrinks our hearts and we start saying, well, no, maybe I can't. No, maybe I won't do this. Maybe I won't do that. Maybe I'm wrong in hearing God on this. So we've got to be careful what we do with our, the dreams and visions that God puts in our hearts. But I believe God has made me into uh, something of a kingdom entrepreneur. I've been involved in Hope Church from fairly early days and the church has grown somewhat. There's more to come. I've been involved in initiating and forming a project, a business, and a business called Hope Initiatives, which we'll share, I'll share a little bit later. Uh, more recently, been involved with Phil Downward and Martin in developing Bread Trust Zambia, completely new thing in terms of the work of Bread Trust. And more of that tonight. Please do come along to that tonight because that is a kingdom initiative, a kingdom entrepreneurial initiative, which is exactly what we're talking about this morning. So come along tonight at 7.30. Been involved with Dave and Terry in forming Christ Central Shropshire, and there's so much more, isn't there, Dave, to come from Christ Central Shropshire. Been involved in helping Andy Lowe form his Hope Sounds, which is a community interest company. We'll share a bit of that a bit later. Been involved in helping Tracy form Family Focus Shropshire. Been involved in supporting the formation of Hope Community Church, which is what Roland is doing in Adverston, part of our family of churches. So God is putting me a desire to pioneer an entrepreneur, be an entrepreneur. But that isn't simply the role of someone like Martin or Dave or me. It's not the role of a church leader. It's all of our roles to be kingdom entrepreneurs. And the role of a church leader is to equip and release and encourage whatever God puts on your hearts. So my prayer in Hope Church is more and more the people that make Hope Church want to come forward and say, I've got this thing God has put on my heart to do. Can you help me? Can you pray with me? Can you encourage me? It's at work. It's in my community. It's in my business. It's, an, it's something that God is forming in me to do. It's not coming from me, this is what God says we should do. But it's coming from you. It's coming from the people. God is speaking to me. God wants to, and our job is to equip you, to encourage you, to release you into the things that God has for you. So even though I'm encouraging you to read a book like this, actually we're to apply it to our lives. This isn't just about pastors and leaders. This is about you in your workplace, you in your community, to be set free to do kingdom initiatives. And that is what I hope we'll come across today and this morning. So if you can hit the next slide, please. That's it. So, what is a kingdom entrepreneur? A kingdom entrepreneur requires three things, probably more, but these are the three that I've thought of. 
one faith, two, initiative or work, and the third, organisation and team. What sort of things can you do in your workplace, which is, which is kingdom, which is something new? What can, sort of things can you do in your community, which is initiative, something new, and in your church community? Well, it requires faith. Do you know it says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's an interesting thing. You can't please God without exercising faith. And the writer doesn't mean just believing in God. Faith doesn't just mean, well, I believe in God. It means applying that belief to your everyday life, doesn't it? So when he says, I will meet your needs, are you ever in a situation where you have to believe that he will actually meet your needs? Or are we so insulated by our, 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 our rational thinking that actually we don't need anyone, God to help us? Because we've got a very healthy bank account. And we've got everything sorted out. Well, let me challenge us today to say, is living by faith something more than that? Where we have to truly trust in his goodness and his promises to get by. It's impossible to please God without faith. Second point, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, in the same great chapter about faith, it says this. All these people, and you can read chapter 11, you'll find what people the writer is referring to, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Listen to this. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Faith is when we say we're longing for a better country. In our workplace, we're longing for a better workplace, a more godly environment. In our community, we're longing for families to be knitted together and restored. So these kingdom initiatives are a longing in us for a different country, a heavenly country, the kingdom that's coming. And that's where I think we get our encouragement from. So when you think about your personal family longing for the heavenly country to come to your family. You think about your workplace, longing for a heavenly, the heavenly country, the kingdom that's to come, to come into your workplace, into our world. This is what the church needs to be activated in, the longing for the kingdom to come in our spheres of influence, whether at home, in our community, at work, wherever that might be. Faith. Longing for the better country applying it to everyday life. Secondly, initiative or works. Let me remind you of Ephesians 2, 2, chapter 10. Paul says we are God's handiwork. So when you look in your mirror, you say, I am God's handiwork. It's not boastful, it's true. We need to encourage ourselves. I am made in the image of God. I am his handiwork. The word handiwork, in Greek, we, we derive the word poem. We're his beautiful poem, an expression of his creative power, fulfilled and absolutely made perfect in us. We are his handiwork, created in Christ to do good works. The reason why you've been born again, the reason you're in his kingdom, is to do good works, to express this grace to other people around you. It's not just for our benefit, it's for our benefit in order to bless others through good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. See, we're sitting here today 
And God has prepared works for you to do that you know nothing about right now. I find that very exciting. That is very exciting. You're sitting here and I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, what do you want to do with us, Lord, in the years ahead? Anything is possible. Don't discount yourself. God has works for you to do that he's prepared in advance. No one is too old. No one is too inadequate. No, we've been made adequate. And then in 2 Thessalonians 1, about works, about initiative, about working into his promises, desiring to do his works. 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 11. With this in mind, Paul says, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling, that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. So the question for you is, what is your every desire for goodness? What is God impressing on you to see a change for that country we're longing for to come? What are those desires you have? Because by his power, he wants you to do those things. It's what it says. It says, by his power, he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and every deed prompted by faith. Stepping out. Look, I don't know where I'm going here. I mean, not not literally in the talk. I think I do know where I'm going. You may think he doesn't know where he's going. I'm talking about when you act in faith, you may not know where the end destination is. Well, that's why it's acting in faith. But as we step out, his power enables us to go forward and for him to accomplish his purposes through us. And we don't know what his purposes are until we look back and say, wow, look at what God has done. As we're going, we don't know where it's going to end. Where's it going to end? His purposes. Well, his purposes will end when he comes back and makes all things new. But until that point, anything and everything is possible. God can work in you. He wants to use you. He wants to encourage you to be initiators. What desires do you have? This is a a verse that hits you between the eyes. James 2 verse 14 says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Well, I come to church, Lord. I come to church, Lord. I give my tithe, Lord. And the Lord's saying, what about the deeds that I have got for you to do? What about the purposes? Well, Lord, I'm quite happy just to bury it. I'm just quite happy to keep going. It's enough, Lord, for me to keep going. The Lord says, no, it's not. Don't you trust me? I will, I will sustain you, but I want you to give in ways which you maybe think I can't. I want you to act in ways that maybe you think you can't. James says it's impossible. It's impossible to have faith but no deeds. Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep well, warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So God wants us to be activists, initiators. It's good to come and soak and be refreshed, absolutely. But we come for that on a Sunday, and then from Monday through to Saturday, we're out spending ourselves on whatever God has for us, whatever new initiative that he has. Thirdly, organisation and team. Romans chapter 12 verse 3 talks about the different gifts that are required. 
And we need to form teams around these initiatives, whether it's at work, whether it's in the community, whether it's in church life, wherever it is. We need team because we ourselves don't have the whole package, but together we do. Together we have people with different gifts. And you might have someone who's quite prophetic and visionary. I see this, but they're not very good at implementing. They're not very organized. They're not very practical people often which isn't their fault, that's just the way God's made them. So they need to join up with someone who is also responding to that vision and can help put legs on something. And then you want someone who's really desiring to serve and they get motivated and God's called them to serve and to do things. And so the practical person, the visionary person, and the serving person come together and make something happen. And that's teamwork and that's biblical. We're not islands, we're not just doing it on our own, we're doing it together as team. Proverbs chapter 15 says this, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. So if God has put something in your heart to do at work or at home or in church life, you need to speak to people who aren't going to go, ha ha, you can't do that. You want to speak to people who are godly and who can equip you and encourage you. And it may be the elders, but it may not be the elders. It may be people who you are closer to. Well, speak to them and begin praying things through together. What is God calling me to do in terms of my work life? Speak to a friend. It might be something new that God is inspiring you to do. Speak to someone. Get them to pray with you. Get them to encourage you. Plan together. Plans are established, chapter 20, verse 18 of Proverbs. Plans are established by seeking advice. If you wage war, obtain guidance. And the fact is, every, each and every kingdom initiative that we do is an act of war. Because we're fighting against a different kingdom. We don't fight with our physical hands or with weapons. We fight with the things of the kingdom, the love and grace and mercy of the kingdom by the power of the Spirit. So when you do these things, you're going to have comeback. You're going to have opposition. So you need people you can talk with and pray with to encourage you and strengthen you for the fight, to keep going. Proverbs 21 verse 5, The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. So when God gives you something and stirs you, don't be too hasty to go off and do it on your own. Seek counsel, seek prayer, seek people who can, you can build something with, or at least pray with. So next slide, please. And again. So the foundation, and again, the foundation of what we do, and again, please, that's it. The foundation of these activities is always upon Jesus. Otherwise, they wouldn't be kingdom activities. It's always upon Jesus. We are desiring to honour and glorify Jesus through our work, through our home life, through our community initiatives. It's not for our own engrandizement, for our own bigging ourselves up. No, it's for Jesus. It says, it, doesn't it, in 1, Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. Build with care. If you've got a new idea at work, pray about it. Build with care. Make sure it's on the foundation of Jesus. Check your motives. Make sure it's on the foundation of Jesus. No one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If you don't lay it on Jesus, it isn't a kingdom initiative. Okay, we've got to check ourselves on that. Is it for my glory? Is it for his glory? Uh, Next uh, little slide thing. And again, the walls of what we build are built by faith. In other words, we don't give up and we don't look immediately at the problems. We look at what God has called us to. If God has called us, he will make a way. 
some of those mountains that we face might be stopping us from doing kingdom initiatives. But those mountains aren't, you know, we, we don't, we're not stopped by those mountains. If God has called us to do it, we will do it. We are determined and purposeful and persevering to do it by faith. We are putting God to the test, to his words. He says, he taught us to pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. What resources do you need to do the things that the Lord is calling you to? He will provide for you. He will do it. Don't let those mountains stop you from initiating the things that God is calling you to initiate. Next, please. And again. So, the chimney, as it were, is giving. This is not like Dragon's Den where we say to God, God, if you, if you resource me, then I will give you 20% of this company, 20% of this initiative, 20% of my thanks. It doesn't work like that. If we are going to do God's business, he owns all of it. He owns all of it. There's nothing that we keep. He, says, he wants all of it. So Paul calls himself in Romans chapter 1 a bondservant. He says, I am God's servant. I totally belong to him. Whatever we do, whether it's business or social action or whatever initiative we have, we've got to understand that he owns all of us and he owns all of, uh, all of the resource that we can create in whatever form that is. It's all belonging to him. We mustn't hold nothing back. Acts chapter 4, that, those famous verses where the disciples came and Barnabas particularly came sold a field and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. He just laid it at the apostles' feet. He didn't have any strings attached. I'll only give you this money if I have a stake in saying what it goes to. He didn't. He left it. And if you're involved in business, we've got to grasp this and say, I'm just going to give this over. This is not my responsibility. And for people who have a lot of money, that's very difficult because the reason why you've got a lot of money is because you've, 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 you've rested and, and you've been blessed with talents and you're giving over your produce to someone else. But that's what God calls us to do. It's a scary thing. It takes faith to do that, to give up and give over resources if it's going to be apostolically led and driven, if it's going to be kingdom orientated, we've got to learn to give it away to the Lord. Giving. Skills and talents. Next one, please. What are your gifts, your interests, the opportunities that you have in your workplace, in your home life, in your community that God is stirring in you? Oh, I think I can do that. I think I can do that. I feel like I, I can connect with children or I can connect in terms of business community and making deals. Or I can connect as a teacher. Or I can connect with this or that or the other. I've got something in me that wants to do this. Sometimes we underplay our gifts and we think about what we can't do. We think about what we're not able to do. We think about our weaknesses. But don't. Think about what God has given you to do. Your gifts and interests and talents. And go with it. Go with that. Don't be like that parable of the talent which... The man dug the hole, put it in there and said, oh, I'll just give it back to the Lord. I'm a bit scared. I did that one time at Stonely when there was the 10-10 challenge. You got a 10 quid note and you were asked, encouraged, go and make 10 pa- uh, 100 pounds or whatever from that 10 pound note. Go and sell cakes or something like that. And I thought to myself at that time, I don't want that responsibility. 
I, I don't want anything. I'm going to give that £10 back. I'm not going to keep it. That will be stealing. I'm, I'm too holy for that. But I'm not going to use it to make money for whatever. I'm going to give it back. And that's almost like a symbolic of sometimes what we feel in, in our spirits. We feel like, ah, oh, I can't do that. I'd rather just do nothing than feel like I can't do it. I don't want to fail. But actually, the Lord doesn't, doesn't want us to live like that. He wants us to give ourselves to him. Give our gifts. Give our talents to him. And make a return, a kingdom return for him. Should we be a people like that? Next, please. And then there's character. You see, most of this stuff's about character. It's about saying, am I willing to work with others? Am I willing to listen to the advice of others? Be shaped by people outside of myself. Yes, I want to do this, but this might not be the right time because I've got to grow up a bit. I'm a bit spiky. I'm a bit lacking discipline. I don't turn up on time. I don't feel like I'm not quite ready. And that might be true. And you might need to invite people to speak into your life because God is interested in our character. Am I submitted to him And do I consider others better than myself? Am I submitting to other people? Have I got an issue with giving? Do I like to hold back? Well, I'll give out of my abundance, but if it gets costly, really, I'm not interested. We need to be true to these things. Because when pressure comes, and pressure comes on kingdom initiatives, the cracks start to appear. So we need to to invite others to speak into our lives. Am I ready? Well, Let's work on this together. Let's pray about this together. So I see you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing what you think about me. I trust that you love me. You're not just doing this to keep me down. No, I'm trusting in you because I've sought you out and I trust you. You're speaking into my life in order that I might fulfill what God has for me. Thank you. Next slide. And all of this, and again and again and again. Next slide, and again and again and again and again. Whatever widgets that God gives you to do, Whatever thing that God gives you to do, whether it's with people, whether it's making something, whatever it might be that this is, whatever this looks like, this kingdom initiative, it's got to be, next slide, kingdom focused. It's got to be focused on the gospel, on the the effects of church planting, on the peace that God wants to give, shalom, on equality. Let me tell you what I mean by that in a minute. Because if it isn't, then really it's more for me than for anyone else. So whatever we do, we've got to do it for the kingdom. We are kingdom people. We're citizens of heaven. Let's not build a barn and fill it and then die. That parable. No, let's give away. Let's be kingdom people. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians 18, I'm very stirred by these verses. It's about giving. Verse 13, 2 Corinthians 8. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but there might be equality. When you go to Zambia and places like Zambia, you realise actually the life I live here is abnormal. Most people in our world don't live like we do. And Paul says, I don't want to take him out of context, but I'm trying to draw out a principle which is apolitical. This is not political, but this is kingdom. Because when I think about Moses taking the people out of Egypt into Sinai, he said, go and gather as much as you need. Not too much, not too little. Everyone will have the same. Everyone will have enough. If you gather too much, you'll just rot. It will rot. And I think our spirits rot when we gather too much. This is all mine. But it's for equality. The kingdom is about giving. Out of our wealth, we give generously and joyfully. That's a kingdom principle around kingdom entrepreneurship. And that is all cut through, next slide, by prayer. In Acts chapter 1, 
they prayed constantly. In Acts chapter 2, they broke bread and they prayed. In Acts chapter 3, they, they had a time of prayer and they saw a great miracle uh, through the healing of the lame beggar. In Acts chapter 4, they raised their voices in prayer when pressure came on them. Acts chapter 6, and it goes on and on and on. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Whatever you want to achieve for the kingdom has to be bathed in prayer because it's God's power that is at work through us. Not our own power. God's power. And sometimes I think the reason I don't pray is because I'm not in the extremists. You know, when you know that you're actually quite comfortable and you're doing things that you can do, you tend not to pray because you rely upon yourself. But the, the walk of faith It's a walk outside of your ability. It's a walk which is beyond what you can do. Lord, are you telling me that we should double our giving? Yes, do it. But I can't. Trust me. Do it. It's the prayer. It's the faith life, isn't it? So we're told to be a people of prayer. And you might not be feeling ready, not because of your character, but because of resources or whatever it might be, to step into something new for God. And he's saying to you today, pray and trust and go for it. Do it. Next slide, please. So here are two... What time am I supposed to finish, by the way? Quarter two, isn't it? Quarter two. Press on. Two things that I'd like to share for you today. One is hope initiatives. Next slide, please. Thank you, Steve. Go for it. And again, and again, and again, and again. Just keep going. That's it. That's it. Lovely. So the first thing is, about in 2009, we started this initiative called Hope Initiatives. Some guys in the church, very interested in car mechanics, uh, and we said, let's do something for God together. They didn't want to sing in church. They didn't want to look after kids. That wasn't their thing. They couldn't do it. They weren't very good at it, frankly. Uh, but what they were good at is engines and cars and mechanics, which, frankly, I am totally rubbish about. It's quite very ironic that I should be involved in this project because I really am very good with cars. Um, anyhow, uh, we started it as a project, and then it's grown and it's grown and it's grown, and we're doing training now, training NVQ young people, year 10 and year 11, doing one-to-one tuition with children who have maybe a, a ASD diagnosis, helping them, teaching them to do mechanics, teaching them to gain confidence. We're doing employment back-to-work training. In fact, I'm really pleased because this project is, is, is connected to you through two employees. The excellent Sarah Morris and the excellent Christian Jones are both employees of Hope Initiatives, doing a fantastic job. Um, so we, we're helping them. Uh, we, are, we have got two businesses as well. One is a, a, a commercial car business that a guy called Stuart Wyatt used to come here years ago. He runs. It's an excellent business. And we've started a new business called uh, HIPPO, which stands for Hope Initiatives uh, Pre-Owned Parts Online. And it's about second-hand car parts, right? And, and it's exciting. It's good. And we don't know where it's going to go. And, and, and it's risky. And, but it's good. It's good. And God is doing something in it. And in fact from my recent visit to Zambia, we're looking at potentially partnering with, uh, uh, in Zambia in, in buying second-hand car parts and then, and then taking them and, uh, and air freighting them to Zambia uh, because the prices are so different. Let me give you an example for those who are interested. You may not be, but I just thought I'd share it. A Land Rover lift pump in Zambia will cost 80 quid sterling second-hand, 300 pounds brand new. We found one first-hand, I mean, brand new, 16 pounds. 16 pounds. So if you then add VAT, uh, duty, um, uh, if you add yeah, import duty and VAT and then air freight, the guys in Zambia can still make 25% profit. So there's an opportunity. We don't know what to do, really. We're just kind of testing it and thinking about it. We're going to ask advice from people. We're going to be praying about it. We're looking at it. Next bit of slide. Keep going. Thank you, Steve. 
Andy Lowe has started a new enterprise called Hope Sounds. Andy Lowe used to come here. He's an elder at Hope Church now. Uh, It's a social enterprise. He wants to give back to young people through music, using his gifts. He loves music. He's an excellent musician. He's doing one-to-one tuition. He's doing mentoring. He's doing workshops, rap workshops, all sorts of things. And he's got a recording studio. Yeah? And, he, and he's going to make a living through that. But he wants to do it for God as a kingdom initiative, with God at the centre of it. And that's just two examples of, of people and uh, initiatives going on, which, which we want to share with you as a provocation, as an encouragement, that you can do what God puts on your heart to do. You don't have to wait to be asked. You can do it. You can say, Lord, do, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? How can I give my life to you? In Psalm 90, a friend of mine last year said, Nick, I believe God's saying, count your days, Psalm 90. Count your days. And I've been thinking about that. I'm 47 in August. I've got to count my days. I've got to make every day where I say, Lord, I give you my life. I give you my day today. I don't want to waste time. And maybe the Lord is saying to you, don't waste time. Go for it. Time is short. The Lord is coming back soon. Let's give ourselves to him. Let's not be waiting Let's not be like those virgins waiting. Wow, we just fell asleep, Lord. Where's your, where's your oil? Where's the life in you? Where, where's your anticipation of my return? Are you busy? Are you active? Not, to, not because you want to try and earn it, earn his love, but because of the gratitude. Thank you, Lord. You've done everything for me. I give you my life. So here's my big dream. Next slide, Steve. Here's my big dream. My big dream is this. This is what I'm living with, I believe, at the moment. It's to say... It's to say I would love to see lots of community interest companies or businesses linked together somehow, employing people uh, such as 360 folks, such as people from Hope Initiatives, training them in order that resources might flow into church planting and ministry to the poor. And let me tell you why I'm living with this dream. Do you remember the Quakers? The Quakers. The Quakers have a wonderful legacy that we need to tap into. This is what the Quakers used to do. I'm going to read from uh, different uh, different sources from from the internet. Quakers have been involved in business since the start of the movement in 17th century England. Most early Quakers were involved in small-scale local trade as farmers, craftspeople and artisans. As the Industrial Revolution unfolded in Britain in the 18th century, many Quakers poured their energies and talents into innovative business ventures. Like other nonconformists, they were barred from university and most professions, so business was a natural outlet for their talents. They also often had ready access to advice and support and start-up resources within their community. Quakers had become a close-knit network of mutually supportive families, many of whom were involved in interconnected businesses. Quakers saw enterprises that were non-military and also useful, the innocent trades. They pioneered the mass production of iron, and there were mining and metal production concerns all central to the early Industrial Revolution. Alongside older occupations such as wool and cloth production, farming, craft and shopkeeping, they also made domestic china, cast iron utensils, engine and railway components, medicines, and best of all, chocolates. There were also considerable Quaker missionary work during this time, and sizable Quaker communities developed in North America, Pennsylvania particularly. From the beginning, Quakers brought new standards of truth and honesty to the conduct of business, putting into practice the testimony to integrity and truth. People realized they could trust Quakers with their money, and in the 18th century, this led to the rapid growth of Quaker banks, okay, put this in brackets, such as Barclays and Lloyds, but it was good in the day. 
Okay. Quaker communities oversaw local Quaker businesses in order to maintain these standards and prevent over-indebtedness and bankruptcy. They also regulated the master-servant employer-employee relationship in the interest of equality and fairness. People who fell short of these standards were disowned if they did not change their ways. Quaker employers did much to improve the general living conditions of their employees, building houses, schools and infirmaries for their benefit. Some became involved in general issues of social justice, such as the anti-slavery campaign and in philanthropy. What about in Shropshire? Abraham Darby was born in 1678 and initially became involved in brass making. In 1708, he came to Colebrookdale in Shropshire and repaired a furnace belonging to Sir Basil Brook, great name, to make iron. The same year he discovered that coal could be used to smelt iron and mass production of cast iron began. It was effectively the start of the Industrial Revolution throughout the country. Within a couple of years, the foundry was turning out kettles and pots and cauldrons for the local community. The navigable River Severn allowed the wider distribution of Colebrookdale's goods. The Derby family were devout Quakers, which is why there are no portraits of them anywhere. All three Derbys, generation after generation, and a guy called Richard Reynolds, were good employers. Colebrookdale had a school workers' cottages and, a lovely, and lovely country walks. The ironworks paid higher wages than the local potteries or mining. In times of food shortages, Abraham III brought up, bought up farms and grew food for his workers. The point is this. I think God wants us to rediscover, rediscover something of the legacy in Shropshire of people like the Quakers who used their gifts and their talents and their money-making abilities to broadcast kingdom initiatives all over the place, employing people, giving to the poor, missionary work. The question is, is your gift the ability to do business and make money? Even if it isn't, this is still our stuff. Kingdom entrepreneurship is for all of us. But if your, if your gift is to do business and make money, then I want you to hear the Quaker legacy over you. There's a, there's a legacy over us in Shropshire we need to tap into. There's a mine we need to dig into that God has got for us. Let's do it for the kingdom. Dave and I and a few others have developed what we're calling a business forum. And that's for people who are business-minded and business-driven, uh, business-led, business gifts to come together to look at advice and support and start-up funding to start new businesses in the new, in the, in the, with the younger generation particularly. But there's also stuff for us to do in terms of missionary outreach, the planting of churches, the caring for the poor in our county and far, far beyond. If you're a businessman, I'd like to invite you to come and join us in this business forum to start praying into the gifts that I've got to be applied to kingdom, uh, kingdom works. Would you do that? But if you're not business orientated, if you'd like to click the next slide, this is still for you and this is my appeal. Thank you, Steve. Uh, just click all the way through them, Steve. First of all, find out what is it that God is calling you to? What is your dream? What is the thing that God has given you to do? Tell someone and pray with someone. Articulate it. Don't let it just rest with you because the enemy loves to crush dreams. You're not good enough. You can't do it. God is saying you can and I'm putting this on your heart to do. Pray with someone. Form a team. Ask advice. Begin to plan and then determine to make a start. Don't put it off year after year. Like the flax mill. You hear it again and again. We've got this great idea. We've got the money. When's it going to start? We've got a great idea. We've got the money. When's it going to start? I've been here for 10 years. They've been talking about the flax mill for 10 years. We are not flax mill church. We're a church on the move. He does things. 
in the right time, but there is a time, and it isn't always ten years away. So what about you? We're going to have a response time. We're going to invite the band back up. Is that okay? We're going to have a response time. The first response is, do you know him? Do you know him? Count your days. And they're clicking down. I don't want to be morbid, but it's true. Do you know him? Can you put your trust in him? Our dear friend held on to a wooden cross and her daughter said to me yesterday, she died holding on to the cross. What a testimony of faith. Are you holding on to the cross? If you're not, I want you to come forward. Give your life to him. Say, I will follow you. I am trusting in you. Maybe God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, has been speaking to you about long, dead dreams. And he's saying, let those dreams be arising now. It's time. Wake up. Come on. You can do it. This isn't a motivational speech. This is about the kingdom of God coming through you by his power. If you're a businessman and you're thinking, I feel stirred here, you come forward. And we'd love to pray with you. Is that okay? I'm going to hand over to Martin now as we go forward. Okay, thank you so much, Nick. Should we show our appreciation to Nick? He's...